It's been a challenging few weeks for me and my family. Uh, and like I said earlier, I do appreciate all the support you guys have offered me. You know, it's, uh, my dad was 63. He's pretty, pretty young. And, you know, it, going through something like that, I'm sure as many of you are aware, because you've been through similar experiences, it can teach us things that we thought we already knew, you know. Uh, like, like I knew the verse in James where James says, uh, we're just a vapor that appears for a little while uh, and then vanishes away. I knew that verse, but then whenever you experience something, then you, then you start to really know it. You know what I mean? You start to really appreciate just how true something like that is. And realizing something like that, it kind of brings up other questions. Realizing uh, that, that life is short, it brings up other questions. It brings up questions like, what are we going to do with the time that we do have? What are, you know, why are we here? What is this about? Why do things happen the way that they do? Uh, is the world headed anywhere? What is all this for? What's the purpose of it? How do we answer questions like that? That's a big debate in the world today is, is how to find answers to the most profound and deep questions that human beings can ask. And I'm kicking off a series right now that are just, it's aimed at exploring the basics of our faith. Uh, and, and it's called We Believe. And next week I'll have a handout for you guys that gives an outline of, of what every week is going to be about. But today we're talking specifically about where we go to find answers to those questions because we believe that we have a source of answers for those questions. And that source is the Word of God, the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, Paul says that all Scripture, this is 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And in Psalm, go with me to Psalm 19. I want you to look at this. If you have a Bible, look at this passage with me. Psalm 19. I'll start reading in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey than honey from the comb. What, what the writer of the psalm here is saying is that our deepest needs, the things that we need most for our soul, can be found in Scripture and through the promises that Scripture shows to us and, and what the Spirit provides for us. These things are revealed to us in God's Word. Uh, some things I think we need to experience firsthand, though. And I want to look at three things today regarding the Word of God to help us have a clearer understanding of what it is, okay? First of all, I would say that the Word, the Bible, is meant for first-hand knowledge. 
It's meant for you to have firsthand experience and knowledge with it. My granddad makes incredible chili, all right? He makes chili better than anyone I've ever met before. And whenever I would go and eat that chili, I've always wanted to try to make it myself. And so I would ask him, I'd call him up every time I set out to make chili, I'd call him up and ask him for directions on how to make it. And you know what he says? Does he give me an exact recipe? No, he says, well, you're going to take this and you're going to throw some of this in there and then do that. And I try to do it and I try to follow it and it just doesn't work out the same as him. And, and when I call him back and, that, and the next time I go to make chili, he says something different, you know. But whenever he's making it, it turns out good. It turns out perfect the same every time. The, the truth is, though, that if I'm going to get this formula done, I'm going to have to learn it myself and figure out what makes good chili. Are y'all with me? A lot of times when it comes to truth, when it comes to the Word of God, we, we put too much, too much of that in other people's hands. And we say, well, that's for the pastor, that's for the preacher to know, and he'll just tell me what I need to know. Uh, can, can you see that that might not give you everything that you need for sustenance? Can you see that you may need to also pursue? Not that preaching isn't a vital part of the Christian experience. It's important. The proclamation of the word is, is one of the big parts of our, our family here, our congregation. But, but to take ownership of it yourself and to pursue God in your own experience with the Bible is so very important because the Bible is like a guidebook. I took some students up to uh, Colorado to climb a 14er. Y'all know what a 14er is? Anybody know that's a 14,000 foot high mountain? And, it, and we climbed, it was called Mount of the Holy Cross. I thought, well, that sounds like a good mountain to climb because it, had whole, because it had a cross on the side of it or whatever. But it's an evil mountain. It, don't let the cross fool you. It's wicked. Uh, you had to climb, a, you had to hike a thousand feet, and then you had to descend a thousand feet just to get to the mountain. Then you climb 4,000 feet to, to summit that mountain. Anyway, we... We picked the mountain and we were driving up there, you know, we'd already decided on the mountain, already made arrangements at a a little church there in the area to spend the night there. And, you know, I started, we started Googling the mountain as we're driving up and you see all these stories of disappearances and everything on this mountain. It's apparently, it's a very treacherous, it can be a very treacherous mountain if you get off the trail. If you get off the trail, there's a lot of boulder cliffs, a lot of different things like that you can get lost in and no one could ever find you. So it's very important that you stick to the trail. It's, it's a, it was a class three mountain, which means it's not the, it was insanely tough to me, but for the mountain people, apparently it's not that tough. Uh, those Colorado natives were making fun of me because I would ask them, you know, can I really do this mountain? They're like, yeah, it's easy. It was impossible, but anyway. Um, the, where was I? <laughs> Talking about how uh, it's not, it was a class three mountain, so not that big of a deal. But it's very important and it's emphasized, so you better stay on that trail. Because if you get off the trail on another mountain, like Quandry Peak or something like that, no big deal. You can find your way back to the trail, you're good to go. It's just a big, broad mountain. But it, on Holy Cross, you get off the trail, you could be lost for good okay you could be lost for good so what do you do in a situation like that when you're about to go through and experience 
a, a hike like that? What do you do when you know that fact? You find out everything there is to know about the trail, right? You find out where you need to walk, how that trail goes, what the route is. There's even a book that we bought, and this is Colorado's 14ers. And for each of the, of the peaks, it gives you a map of the trails. It tells you which turns to make, what to watch out for. Uh, you know, it gives you a map and everything. This is like a guidebook of the 14ers. Whenever we're going up that, tra that trail, do you think I'm looking at this, watching it like a hawk, making sure that I'm following every step of the way? Or do you think I'm just sucking air, trying to survive the hike? But the reality is we had been prepared, though. We, we had dove in, and we were finding out everything we could find out about that mountain so that when we were there, we could face the trials and survive the hike. That's what this is for us, folks. This is, what, this is the purpose of the Word of God. The Word of God is like a guidebook for life. It gives us the tools we need to navigate through very difficult things in life, through very difficult and challenging experiences. It's, it's, our, it's our map for the world. You know, Galatians, Paul calls the, the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. The Spirit has a, a tool, a weapon that he uses to defend you. But the, the reality is, is that how can you wield, how can you use a sword that you don't possess, that you don't own? You have to be in the Word. You have to kind of, you have to have uh, some grasp of it in order to experience it. And uh, there have been people in the past that have, have bled and died to give us an English copy of the Bible. Did you know that? Back in the uh, 12, 1300s, it was only in Latin. Uh, originally, it was written, the New Testament was written in Greek originally. I'll try not to be too boring here. But back in the 12, 1300s, it was only in Latin, and, and a guy named William Tyndall comes along. Y'all might have heard the name Tyndall from one of our Christian publishers is named after him. Uh, but he comes along, and he decides to translate it into English, and they burned him at the stake for it. Because they thought that, that only the priest should be able to have access to the word. Is that true? We believe that we all have access to the word. We are all, through Jesus Christ, able to access. That's why that curtain was torn whenever Jesus was crucified. But that's another sermon. The word of God is an important part of our life. I said Galatians 6. It's in Ephesians where Paul refers to it as the sword of the spirit. So the word is meant for first-hand knowledge, okay? You may feel intimidated. You're like, I don't know how to read that. We're starting up a podcast, actually, um, with, and it's going to have several different episodes on how to read the word, how to read different parts, because it's not one book. It's a collection of different books. And you read Psalms differently than you read the Gospel of Matthew, for instance. And so I'm going to go through and kind of lay some of that out. So be, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but it's meant for firsthand knowledge. And I just want to encourage you guys to dive into it yourself, the Word of God. Number two, the Bible, the Word, is how we understand life. It's how we understand life. Have you noticed how crazy the world is today? Have you noticed how, I mean... I don't know if it's any crazier than it ever has been, but to me, it feels wild. It feels like we're on shifting sands. Do you feel like our culture is just changing right before our eyes? Can you sense that? How do you know what's true and what's not true? 
How do you know what's real and what's fake? How do you know the answer to these things? How do you know what, what your position is on something? Do you go with what everyone else thinks? Do you go with what your friends think? Uh, you got to decide this, right? Well, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is the source of truth for us. It's how we understand life. That's why we revere it as inspired by God. Peter, calls, Peter says that the Word of God, that the, the Scriptures are God-breathed. They are inspired by God. In other words, they are uh, God's very revelation to us. You know, if, if, think of somebody that you trust more than anyone in the world. Picture, picture that. Picture in your mind someone that you really trust. Now let me think of it. Let me get more practical here. How many of you like to cook? Anyone? Who likes to cook in here? Okay. How do you cook something good? You uh, found a good recipe, right? Maybe. I mean, some of you can probably just make, make it up. Okay. She can just make it up. Well, she knows what she's doing. So if I want to know how to cook good, then I'm going to listen to her. And whatever she says to do, I'm going to do that. Are y'all following me? This is what we do. You know, my sister talks about how bad she is at cooking. I'm like, isn't it pretty simple? Don't you just follow the recipe? And, you know, she, she's like, yeah, but it's not that simple. I'm like, actually, isn't it that simple? I mean, you just kind of do what it says. Well, she says, no, it's not that simple. Well, the other day I was watching her at my dad's house, and uh, we were making cornbread or something because we were all there together, you know, because of uh, dad's passing. She's over there measuring the water for it, and it called for a cup and a half of water. And she, she gets the cup, and then she just, she didn't even measure the second part. She just gets a whole cup and pours it in there. I'm like, wait, wasn't it supposed to be this amount? Um, and suddenly I start to understand, I hope she never listens to this sermon. She, I was right. She don't follow the recipe. That's, that's why cooking doesn't work out for her, okay? Are y'all, are y'all with me? How did I get off on that? <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, if you want to do, do the cooking good, you follow the recipe of someone that's good at it. If you want to do life good, you follow the instructions of someone who created life, okay? That's the point. People, view, people think of the Bible as an old, dusty set of rules, and it's restrictive, it's only restrictive if you don't appreciate that this is something that comes from the life giver. Does that make sense? It's only restrictive if you don't appreciate who God is and what, what it is that he's about. When you appreciate and understand God wants the best for you, he wants you to have the best life possible, suddenly his word changes and it's no longer restrictive, but it's a source of life. It's a source of well-being. Make sense? When Brooklyn, which she doesn't appreciate, but when she appreciates that the reason she can't eat candy at 10 at night is not because I'm evil and want to deprive her of candy. It's because it's for her health and it's for her well-being. If she really grasped that, she wouldn't be so upset with me, you know, when, when I tell her that she can't have it. It's all in appreciating the source. Whenever we have this attitude, you know, as, Paul, as David says in one of his psalms, I delight in the law of the Lord. Can you say that about your relationship with the Bible? Do you delight in it? 
Is it a source of joy for you? In Psalm 23, the writer of that psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does he say about the rod and staff? The rod and the staff, which the world will look at and say, boy, that rod, it keeps me from going where I want to go. And it bangs me on the head when I'm going into the wrong place. I don't like that rod. But the disciple looks at the rod and says, the rod, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The sheep is looking at the rod as something that may keep it from getting where it wants to go. But the disciple recognizes there are some places that I want to go that I ought not go. And when God says, don't go there, I'm so grateful to hear that from him because I trust him above all. That is, that's the relationship the disciple, the Christian, has with the word of God. We look at it as a way of understanding life. It's a way that we look at the world and see it as it really is, not warped into our own way of seeing it. Imagine for a second if God was to show you all the things about life that you haven't yet discovered. You know, there's so many things in life that we don't know we don't know. Does that make sense? And only through life experience do we start to understand, start to grasp. Sometimes I, I think, man, I wish I had the wisdom and knowledge of someone much older than me so that I wouldn't make the dumb mistakes that I make now. But the truth is that God is offering us something like that with the Word. He's saying, look, here, through this, you can catch a glimpse of, of all the things you don't know you don't know. I'll even show you everything you need to know in order to be faithful to me. This is what we're being offered here. In Romans chapter 10, verse 12, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Ashley, can you get me some water? Do you mind doing that for me? Thank you. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. How do you know what's true, what's false? How do you know what's right, what's wrong? How do you know what the will of God is? Paul says here that you can, you can know. You'll be able to test and know the will of God. That's one of the biggest questions I get from students is, how do you know God's will? Paul says here, you can test and know what the will of God is. How do you do that? Be transformed. Be changed into, into someone that is more like God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he says. You begin to take on by absorbing what it says here, by consuming it even. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Did you know that? He, we are sustained by consuming this, what it says here. Uh, we begin to understand God's will more clearly. There's so many things that happen to us in life and we think, why did that just happen? If we are rooted in the word of God, then... We may not still have all the answers, but we have a clearer picture of why things are happening and what it is that's going on, okay? So, so the Word is how we understand life. The Word is meant for your firsthand knowledge. It's not just meant for me to digest it and offer it up to you. It's, up, it's, it's up meant for your firsthand knowledge. It all, it's also how we understand life. And then finally, 
the word is how we become more like Jesus. It's how we become more holy. <clears throat> Thank you for that. If you want to look at the scripture, go to John chapter 17. We actually, uh, he even put ice in it. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. If we look in John chapter 17, we looked at it this morning in our Bible class. In what's called the high priestly prayer where, where Jesus is praying for his disciples in John chapter 17 and verse 14. Here's what it says. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. A lot of times people think, how do you be a holy person in, in such a kind of a corrupt culture? And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, well, you have to withdraw from culture. You got to go live on a mountain somewhere and isolate yourself from culture. Is that what Jesus wants? No. How would we be salt and light to a world if we're not living in the world? In other words, he doesn't want to take us out of the world. That's not what he wants to do. He wants us to be change agents and powerful people within the world. Okay? But he says, I, you know, I've given them your word. I need to just read it and quit interrupting myself uh, with, with my thoughts here. Listen to this text. I've given them your word, and the world's hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. There's a big church word. Sanctify them. You know what that means? Make them holy. Set them aside for a purpose. Give them distinctiveness. Okay? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me to the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified or made holy what makes us different than the world is it that we're better people certainly not right i'm no better than anyone else in the world what makes us different is there anything that makes us holy i would say the work of the holy spirit in our life to give us this miraculous transformation to make us holy number one but number two, there's this sense where Jesus is saying, here's how my people will change the world by being these holy people in the world. These people that are going to be different in the world. How is it that they're different? How is it that you and I are different? Because we have the word of God that we say is something that we look to as a source of truth and as something to inform who we are. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes us different. I mean, this is... You know, I want to illustrate this because I, I, I don't want us to think that, OK, so here's how I be holy. Because a lot of people get the idea that church people think that they're holier than thou. So I want to make this clear. It's not by studying scripture and doing it that I am somehow holier than other people. It's only by the grace of God that I'm made clean. OK. But. In view of that, I'm, I'm called to a different kind of life. It's kind of like your career, or your job, whenever you're hired. Um, let's say you're, you're gonna, you want to be a vet. And I'll always use vet as my, my examples here. But until I learn what all y'all do, I'll have to just use vet. 
let's say you're going to be a vet. You go to school, you go for the training, everything, and you go for an interview by this, by this vet, uh, I was going to say co-op, but this vet uh, clinic. There we go. And, and you're kind of at their mercy whether they're going to hire you or not, right? But once they decide to hire you, you're, now, you're then a vet at that clinic. And do you go out and work on cows because you want to be a vet? Or do you go out and work on cows because you are a vet? Do you do the things, the deeds of God? Do you dive into Scripture and do what it says in order to be holy? Or because you've been made holy? By the blood of Christ, you've been made holy. In view of that now, we live holy lives. So y'all with me? And this is the scriptures inform us of that. They show us what holy life is, and, and we're sanctified in that way. And we don't do this in order to be holier than now. Only by the grace of God am I ever someone that could be called holy. By the blood of Christ I am. But in light of that now, how am I going to live? Am I just going to keep doing what I've always done? Or am I going to go and pursue this different kind of life that Jesus is offering for us and that he wants us to, to live so that we can effect change in the world? This is the opportunity we've been given. And it's not just about, you know, being holy so that we can change the world. It's about our own sustenance. Have you ever thought about how you need to take care of your soul? I don't want to embarrass Ashley, but I'm going to. One time, this is about, when did you go to the hospital? Was it about a year ago or two years ago? We had a big scare one time. She had acute kidney failure uh, because she had gotten a stomach bug and got dehydrated. Uh, you don't mess around with dehydration, okay? It can really get, it can get you. Uh, but the reality is, is that, that Ashley, we all, not just Ashley, but we all have to drink water in order to sustain our bodies, right? We have to eat food in order to sustain our bodies, and we're very clear on that. And if the body is not getting what it needs, uh, we have to go to the hospital or whatever in order to get it taken care of. We will, we will answer the cries of our body, but sometimes, maybe too often, we are willing to neglect the cries of our soul. We are too... We are too willing to let our soul go unnourished, okay? Like I said, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Jesus says that faith is the victory. Faith is the most important thing you can have, right? And you know what Paul says the source of faith is? Faith comes by hearing the words of God. This is, this is bread for our soul. Whenever Jesus is being tempted out in the wilderness... Satan's throwing everything he's got at him, okay? Satan's saying, hey, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? And Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is sustenance for your soul. It's important for you to take care, not just of your body, but also your soul. Give it nourishment that it needs to thrive. And whenever you're feeling like it's just not working, your life isn't working out the way it's supposed to be, you're down, you're depressed, you're anxious, whatever, fill in the blank on what your, maybe your negative experience is. Maybe you're not giving your soul the food that it needs in order to thrive. The Bible says the word of God is like 
a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. It shows us the way. And yet it's often the last thing that we consult. Can you imagine if I looked at this, would I look at this after the Holy Cross adventure? What point would that do? I mean, it would be like, well, yeah, duh, I should have I done that. You know, like I'd be reading this. I'd already gone through the deal and made all the mistakes. And I'm like, it, you know, reading all the mistakes you could potentially make and think, man, I just did that. Why did I go through that? Why didn't I just read this to start with? Same is true for the Word of God. It can provide us great direction, but it also gives us nourishment. It also makes us holy. It also makes us something unique to affect change in this community. I just want to encourage you guys, if you don't have an appreciation for the Word, to begin to think about how you can develop that. How can you start getting into the Word more? Like I said, I'm going to put out some, uh, some things on our website to help you kind of get into it, to learn kind of how to read it. I know it can be intimidating. I mean, the very first thing I would say is get you a good version that's easy to read. Um, and, and that way you're at least not intimidated by the writing of it. But also uh, talking about it with your family, with, in Bible class and different things like that. And together as a, as a church, we're going to work on that together, getting into the Word together. This is one of the things we believe, that the Bible is the Word of God. And it informs what we do as a community.